Well, hey, good morning, everybody. So good to be with you. If it's your first time here, my name's Nate. I want to welcome you, one of the pastors. And can we just thank God for this morning and for seeing Griffin's life changed? Well, I love, uh, you know, we, sometimes we sing about God, like, yeah, God, you're good. And he's like, sometimes we, we forget how good he is and what he's doing. And I love getting to talk to Griffin and his buddies. A couple weeks ago, they always sit down here in the front, which I'm like, any high schoolers who sit in the front row, they're either there to heckle you Right, you know, or they actually want to be there. And I'm glad, hopefully they don't throw anything at me, but it's like, I love it. They, they sit down here, Nate and his buddies, and they are just hungry for God's word and they're allowing God to speak into their life and to tell them who they are as young men of the faith. And, and this is what I love about the church, not, not just our church, but about the church, Jesus's church. It, it is for every generation, it is for every nation and everybody matters to him. And uh, last night uh, at the beginning, of the, of the Saturday night service, we have a Saturday night at five o'clock service. Uh, there, there was a mom that came over with her daughter. And, you know, you know when, when kiddos come up, you have no idea what they're going to say, right? You're like, all right, here we go. And uh, she came up, her name is Lydia, seven years old. And, and her mom came up, she said, Lydia's got a question for you. And I said, come on, Lydia, what, what, what do you got? You know, and I'm waiting for like, where do you, where did dinosaurs come from? You know, you're waiting for like, whatever, like these hard theological questions. And she just looked me dead in the eyes. And she said, how old do you have to be to be baptized? I'm like, this is going to be a good day, right? This is going to be a good day. And we sat there and we just talked about it and, and we got her connected with our kids' side team. But, and I said, really, Lydia, this is what it's about. It's about you and I believing who Jesus really is. And I said, you know, what do you believe? I believe that he's the Savior, man. We just sat there. We had this great theological conversation with a seven-year-old. And this is the great thing about God. And that's why we're doing this series called Dear Church is because this, you have a savior who knows your name, who knows your situation and wants to speak life into it. And that's the whole book of Revelation. You know, sometimes we can be freaked out by the book of Revelation. Revelation is a letter to his church to remind his church, I know who you are, I know your name and I know what you're going through and I'm here to stand with you. And I'm here to hold you together. When, when life doesn't feel like you have it together, I am here to hold you together. That's why today what we're doing is this. We're going to be looking at the second letter in chapter 2 to the church of Smyrna. And each week we're going to look at the seven letters that Jesus wrote to his church because he has a word for them of encouragement. We talked about this last week. God wants to comfort us. And then here's the other thing. Jesus wants to challenge us. You know, sometimes we feel like when Jesus challenges us, he just wants to beat us down. I, I, I'm going to let you know, this is what you're going to find about Jesus. Jesus isn't here to beat you down. You know what Jesus is here to do? It's to build you up. That's what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Here's the good news for you and I today. Jesus is here to build us up in his grace and his mercy today. He's not here to beat you down. He is here to build you up. And uh, like you heard Kelsey say at the beginning, we've got these Dear Church booklets that go along and some of you brought them to take notes. I love it. You can pick these up. They're $5 out in the lobby. If you don't have $5 a day and you want it, just go take it. They'll bill it to me. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, but seriously, we want everybody to have these. We want you to bring them. And, and here's the thing. Even if you missed last week, we have these daily devotions and all it is is scripture and an opportunity for you to sit with God's word and allow him to speak into your life. And so don't worry if you missed last week. Don't worry if you miss a day this week. Just dive into this. And there's some QR codes in there for you to be able to do family devotions. We want you talking about this as a family. We just want to build into your life with this. Matter of fact, 2,000 of you all bought these last weekend and the weekend before. And you guys are hungry for God's word. And I love it because this is what happens. Jesus is speaking to his church. 
Jesus is speaking to you and I today. And last week we looked at Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus. And this is what he said. He said, Ephesus, I love what you're doing. I love how you serve. I love how you persevere. I love that, you know, they had serve day in Ephesus or whatever, you know. And he's like, I love that you do serve day in Ephesus. I love that you do all the things like we do here. But then Jesus said this. He challenged him. He said, you're doing a lot of good things. Keep it up. But this one thing I have against you, you've forsaken your first love. You're so busy, church, that you're forgetting to love me. This week in our all staff, we watched a talk from the author of the book, Crucial Conversations. And we talked about this as a, as a staff because Jesus speaks into conflict and he speaks truth into his church. And sometimes we're not really good about speaking the truth, are we? And this is what the author, and this is what I love, the author of the book, Crucial Conversations, said this. He said, there's a myth that we all believe. And he said, here's the myth. The myth is this, that if you tell somebody the truth, then you can't be their friend. And so this is what happens. We go, I just want to stay friends with people, so I'm not going to tell them the truth. Here's what you need to know about Jesus today is this. He loves you. He's not just your friend. He's your savior. He's your king. And he wants to tell you the truth. He wants to speak into your life today. And, and this isn't just a spiritual thing. Actually, I, I love Jack Welch. He said this. He was the former CEO of GE. So some of you guys may today be a, not a Christian here today, but you're, you're exploring this. This is what I love. Jack Welch, he came to the same conclusion. He said in all of his years of business and leadership, here's what he found out. He said this. He said, the kindest thing that you can do for your employees is tell them the truth. And deep down in the moment, sometimes we don't like it, do we? We don't like it when sometimes people tell us the truth, but at the end of the day, we say thank you. I, you know, being a parent of kiddos, you know, sometimes kids, you know, they grow up with, with stories or dreams in their life. And then sometimes when they're kids, uh, they find out that sometimes those dreams and stories aren't true. And, and you have to tell them the truth. Matter of fact, I'll, I'll just say this. I remember growing up in the church and I'd heard, I'd heard this like in Sunday school, you know, the church is built on the faith of the past, you know, the faith of former Christians. And so this is what I thought, literally, this is... Uh, uh, this is just kind of self-revealing here. This is what I thought. I thought that literally our church was built on the church in Jerusalem, right? And so I know, just help me here, right? You're like, oh, this poor child. So I thought this, like our, when I would go to the water fountain, the water fountain, like the, the excess water would go down the drain. I thought it was going down to the church that used to exist. Because this is what my Sunday school teacher told me. We're built on the faith of the past. I'm just like, our church is built on the old church or whatever, right? There's people, I know, help me, pray for me, all right? You know, and, and this is what happened. The Sunday school teacher was like, Nathan, and that's not true at all. And I'm like, oh, right? And here's what happens. Sometimes as kiddos, we have dreams or we have these thoughts in our life. And sometimes there's traditions and all this other stuff that one day they die. And for my, my daughter, a couple of years ago, she's nine now, but a couple of years ago, she had one of those kind of dreams that died. And parents, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and she came to me and she said, dad, is this real? My wife and I had just made an agreement that if they ever ask these questions, we're gonna tell them the truth. We said, uh, no, it's not. No, it's not. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to go well, right? This is not going to end well. And my daughter looked at me right in the eyes. And this is exactly what she She's about six years old. She goes, well, thanks for telling me the truth. I'm like, you are so mature. You are not like your dad, right? You know, you are know, totally like your mom. But, but this is what was true even at six years old, even if that meant one of her dreams might die or her thoughts, this is what she knew. Thank you for telling me the truth. 
And what we're finding today is this, Jesus tells the truth to each of the seven churches and it's the truth that each church needs to hear. You may need to hear this truth today or each week there's gonna be another truth that's really gonna stand out to you. Matter of fact, I got a picture of here's the letter to the seven churches and Jesus, it kind of goes to this point where in a couple weeks, Thyatira is gonna be the main focus. It's gonna be the longest letter and what Jesus is gonna say to the church in Thyatira is this, do not compromise with the culture. There's three churches there. Pergamum, we're gonna talk about next week, Thyatira and Sardis, and here's what's happening with the church. They're beginning to look more like the culture than the church. And what we find last week is this. Jesus says, Ephesus, come back to your first love. Today, we're gonna to look at his letter to Smyrna, and he's not even gonna critique Smyrna. What he's gonna tell Smyrna is this. They are suffering for being Christians. Not just general suffering, but for being faithful. Sometimes it's so disorienting when you do everything right as a follower of Jesus and things still don't turn out the way you thought. Jesus wants to speak into that today. And he goes in, he begins to talk to the churches and then Philadelphia, he says, nothing against you, hold fast as Christians because they're experiencing suffering for being a Christian. And then Laodicea, he's gonna go, I want you to come back to your love. And this is what we're gonna be talking about today with the church in Smyrna. It's this question, how do you and I remain faithful when it feels like life is falling apart for being faithful? See, we're not gonna talk today, and the church needs to be able to talk about any suffering that we go through in life, hardships that we go through, but today, what Jesus wants to talk about specifically to you and I is this, how do you and I continue to be faithful when it feels like our life is falling apart for being faithful? Some of you, when you were in a dating relationship, somebody wanted to kind of go a little bit further intimately with you than what God calls you to. And when you're like, hey, you know, I kind of have these lines and I honor God. And then because you honor God, they broke up with you. And you're like, I love God and I lost my relationship. Or for some of you, you want to work and live with integrity in your job. And turns out in your industry, integrity is not a core value, Right? And what happens is this, you get overlooked for a promotion or you don't get hired because they know this, you're not going to play their games. And so you miss out on money and you miss out on all sorts of things for just simply loving God. For some of you high schoolers right now who you're following God, this is what's happening on Friday night. You're sitting at home with your parents because people have quit inviting you to the party. I remember that was one of the hardest things growing up as a pastor's kid, especially as an extrovert. I knew all these parties were going on and my phone never rang, right? And it was, it was so hard. It was like, at least invite me so I can say no, right? You know, I know I shouldn't be there, but I'm like, at least invite me. And what was hard was this, people knew as a Christian, like, don't even invite him. Don't even do all this other stuff. And I was like, man. And so Jesus wants to speak into the church in Smyrna. They are being faithful, but here's what's happening. Because they're being faithful, they're suffering and being persecuted. And how do we navigate that as Christians today? How do we continue to find hope in the midst of that? You know, one of the things that we're gonna do within this series is this, because Jesus is speaking uh, each letter, what I'm gonna do is this, we're gonna, I'm gonna invite you to stand with me right now if you would. Would you go ahead and stand? And I'm gonna read the letter. And when we stand is this, all we're doing when we stand to read the letter is this, we're just, this is an act of worship. God, go, God, we're standing because we want our attention to be on you. We want to hear what you have to say. And so I'm going to put this letter up to Smyrna. These are the words of Jesus. And this is how you and I, what we're going to find today is this, how you and I stay faithful, even when we experience hardships for being faithful to God. 
Jesus writes this, he says, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write this, these are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and they are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Hello, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. You guys can have a seat. Boy, these are some bold words from Jesus. And here's what we know. We need a bold word from Jesus because you and I are facing some bold moments in life. And here's what I forget. Sometimes when I approach the Bible, this is what I forgot. And I didn't learn this actually until Bible college was this. I, I didn't know this and maybe you didn't know, you, maybe you don't know this today, but every single letter in the Bible is written to someone who's in despair. Do you know that? Every single letter of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible were written to the Israelite people who just escaped slavery from Egypt. They don't know how to be a people. Their lives are being threatened. They're trying to figure out life and God gives them the gift of the Torah. Here's how you are to live. Here's a way. All throughout the Old Testament, God's people begin to reject him. They get carried off into captivity. And then this is what you hear. God continues to speak in their captivity. And he says, I've got hope for you in the midst of hardship. All throughout the Gospels and Paul's letters and here in Revelation, Jesus is still speaking when people, when you and I are experiencing hardship. And we got to remember that today, that Jesus is speaking into our suffering. But what I want us to do is this. I want us to hang on to the words that Jesus said at the very beginning of this. We're going to talk about suffering. We're going to navigate this. But listen to what he says. He says, these are the words of him. And then he says this, who are the first and the last, who died and came to life again. Jesus says this, I am the first and I am the last. I am before all things and no matter what you're going through, no matter what your tension you're facing today, I am the last. I will have the last word. And then he goes on to say this, I died and I've come alive again. Meaning this, any suffering you and I face, Jesus has encountered himself. Sometimes when we're in suffering, we feel all alone, don't we? Those Friday nights when nobody called me and why I just sit at home watching Full House with my parents. TGIF, right? You know what I'm saying? You remember those days, right? And nobody called. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't so cool. And you know what was neat? Jesus is like, I know you're, you're being uninvited, but guess what? You're not alone, Nate. I'm with you in the suffering, man. I'm with you in the hardship and in the pain. And here's what Smyrna, you know why they were being persecuted? You know why they were experiencing suffering? It's because they would not worship the God of Rome. This is what they would do. This is how Rome kept control. One, Jesus was nailed to a cross. He wasn't the only one who was nailed to a cross. This was the Roman way. It was the most brutal way. And what everybody knew was this. This is what happens to you if you defy the Romans. They kill you on a cross outside the city. So when people would come in, they would go, don't mess with Rome. Don't mess with Rome, they'll kill you. Well, then another way they would keep control is this in their temples to the goddess Roma, what you would do is this, you would come and you would present incense as a sacrifice to say, we worship the God of Rome. 
Well, the Christians are going, we worship Jesus. We don't worship your God. And here's what happened. They would usher him into the temple. They would give him incense. And if they would put it on the altar, they were like, okay, you're good. And here's what Christians were starting to do. I can't do that. I can't compromise. I can't worship your gods. I worship Jesus. And what they would do is this. Okay, move them over here to be persecuted. Here's what Jesus is telling the church is this. When you're hurting, Jesus is still your hope. That I know what you're going through. This is why Jesus says, I'm the first and the last. See, here's the problem with Rome. Rome thought they were the first dynasty and they thought they were going to be the last dynasty. Anybody ever heard of the Roman army lately? They on Twitter, are they doing anything? Right? No. All Rome's saying is this, come check out our place, right? Come drink our wine because that's all Rome's got anymore. See, here's the mistake of the world and here's the mistake that we can make as Christians is this. When we begin to place our hope in any nation, any president, any leader, or any other God besides Jesus Christ, right? This is what the church is calling to. This is what Jesus is saying. There is no other hope. I am the first, I am the last. This is why Jesus says this in Revelation chapter one, verse 17. I am the first, I am the last. He ends the book in Revelation chapter 22. I am the alpha and the what? Anybody remember? The omega, not the omega cron, the omega, right? And he's going, I am the first, I am the last. And I will be the one who holds you together in your tension. Jesus speaks into our tension. He says, I'm holding you together. When you are hurting, I am your hope. One of the dumbest things that I've said to people as a, as a Christian before, and God has corrected me is this, is sometimes when people are suffering for being a Christian, this is what I'll come up and tell them. This is what I used to do. I don't do this anymore. And I would say this to people. Hey, remember, everything happens for a reason. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I heard that. Right? You know what I found out in my own life? You know why some of the reasons I've suffered things I've suffered in my life? because sometimes I can be an idiot, right? right? I'm not gonna make you all raise your hand. You know what, seriously, some of the biggest things that I, you know, some of the reasons why I've, I've experienced consequences in my life is because sometimes I can be selfish. Sometimes I can't keep my mouth shut. And the reason that I'm suffering some things in life are my own fault. And guess what? That leaves me hopeless. Nate, you know why you're suffering? Because of you. Where's the hope in that? See, Jesus says this, it's not that everything happens for a reason. This is what Jesus taught me. And it's because other people had to teach me this. It's that Jesus can redeem anything. Anything. Your greatest mistake, your greatest persecution that somebody's given you because you were faithful to Jesus. Jesus goes, I know. And the world gets to make choices. And sometimes here's what's hard. You and I suffer the consequences of other people's choices. But Jesus says this, church in Smyrna, hold on because I can redeem anything. I'm the first, I'm the last. I was dead and I rose again. I will conquer everything. And then he says this, and I just want us to hang on to this word. He says this, I know. I know. He says this to him, I know your afflictions. I know the pressure that's being put on you as a Christian from the culture, from leaders. I know the pressure. I know the poverty. Christians weren't getting business because they wouldn't worship the goddess Rome. 
And they were losing business. And he says, I know your poverty, but yet you are rich because you have me. He says, I know the slander that you're encountering by people who were Jewish, by ethnic, but they didn't worship God. They didn't follow God. And here's what they would do. They would sell out Christians to the Roman leaders. They would tell on Christians. And he goes, I know the slander that you're encountering. I know. So I want to ask ourselves this question today. Do you know that God knows what you're going through? Do you know? Do you know sometimes when we experience suffering, we feel like we're the only one who knows. Your heavenly father wants you to know today. Jesus wants you to know today. I know. This week in our community, we suffered an incredible loss of life. I did a funeral for the family yesterday. And I met with the parents who'd lost tragically their daughter. Met with them, didn't know the parents, didn't know the daughter. But when I walked into the house, parents came up just crying, never met them. We just start hugging, they're crying, I'm crying. And here's the deal, before I walked in the house, I did not know who they were. But as soon as I walked into the house, I knew who they were. Your heavenly father today knows who you are. And he knows what you're going through as you're being faithful to him. Jesus says, I know, I know the slander. I know the words that are being spoken about you. I know that you're losing out on some of the things in life. I know, I know the pressures that people are putting on you. Matter of fact, we're gonna do something special tonight. Uh, I wanna invite any parent in here who's a parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler uh, tonight at our student ministry. Uh, it meets at six o'clock in the West Auditorium. We're doing something special tonight is this. Uh, the students are gonna have their service, but I'm gonna invite any parent who's a parent of a middle schooler or high schooler. We're gonna invite you as parents to be here. You can even invite other parents. And what we're gonna do is this. We're gonna meet in there, uh, myself, Jim Props, our executive pastor, and uh, Tom Gilbert, our care pastor. Uh, after we start, we're gonna take the parents over to another room, and this is what we're gonna do tonight at six o'clock, is we're gonna talk about how we grieve the loss of life and how we can help you grieve loss. Because Jesus knows what we go through. We go through this together. And I want to invite you to be there. I want to invite you to invite other parents who might be going through other losses or facing things because Jesus says, I know. And then he says this, and here's why we need to know this, because what he's about ready to tell the church, if we don't know that he knows what's going on in our hearts and our life, this, this second part's not going to make any sense. But what Jesus says is this. He says, I know what you've experienced. And then he tells the church this, do not be afraid. He tells them this, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. It's a hard truth. I can guarantee you this. I've never woke up, made myself a cup of coffee, said, oh, Lord, could you bring some suffering today? Right, you know, I just, you know, maybe a little cup of suffering with this cup of joe, right? You know, Lord, that would really make my day. You know, I've never prayed that. I've never asked for that. And yet Jesus, this is why he's saying, I need, I need you to know that I'm the first and the last, that I was dead and I rose again. And I know what you're going through because then he says this, because I want you to not be afraid of what you're about ready to go through. I want you to not be afraid of what you're about ready to suffer. He says, I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. We're gonna talk about that 10 days for a second. 
But here's what he's wanting us to know. Sometimes when you and I face hardship for being a follower of Jesus, here's what happens to us. We either have fight, flight, or we freeze, don't we? It's disorienting when we go through suffering. And what Jesus wants to offer us is a fourth way. He wants to say this, I want to offer formation in the midst of your suffering. I want to begin to form and do something inside of you as you experience pressures from the world around you. See, one of the mistakes that we make as followers of Jesus, and I've made this mistake before, is when I face suffering, sometimes I expect just to get over it. And what I found is this, it's not about you and I getting over it, it's about Jesus leading us through it. I don't know if you've seen the ad that Under Armour has come out with lately, but their tagline is this, the only way is through. And I'm like, I don't even work out, but I want to go buy the clothes now, right? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, call me is this. It's like, yes, let's go through the pain. Let's go through it. Because this is what Under Armour knows is this. If you want to be great as an athlete, you're going to have to go through some training. You're going to have to go through some pain. You're going to have to go through your limits if you want to achieve your goals. And the rest of the world looks at that and go, that's right. Who do you think we got that from? Jesus came and didn't just tell everybody what to do. What did Jesus do? He came and he went through the cross. And then he went through the grave. And what Jesus wants you and I to know is this. The only way is through, but here's the thing. It's not by yourself, it's with him. He wants to do an inner work in. As a matter of fact, this is why Jesus says this. And you're going to suffer persecution for 10 days. And some of you are like, well, 10 days? I've been to jail for three months before, right? 10 days ain't bad, right? You know, like, I, I can do 10 days, right? That's not what he's talking about. He's also saying, yes, there's an end to your suffering. But this is what Jesus is saying here. Remember what we said last week? Revelation has over 500 references to the Old Testament. 10 days, when he said 10 days to any Jew, good Jewish scholar, not even scholar, just a Jewish worshiper, would immediately turn to the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter one, this is what happened. Daniel was facing persecution. All the Israelites had been taken into captivity for their boneheaded decisions, for not being faithful to God. And now they are being persecuted in Babylonian, by Babylon and, and Nebuchadnezzar, all this stuff. And here's what they're doing. They're going to brainwash them for three years so they can forget their gods and walk in their ways. And this is what Daniel says. They take Daniel and his buddies. They're the smartest group. And what they're going to do is they're going to turn them into followers of Babylon. And this is what Daniel says. I love this is where that 10 days come from. He says this to him. They go, hey, you're gonna eat our food and you're gonna forget this. And Daniel, I love it, he just defies them. And he goes, no, listen to what he says in Daniel chapter one, verse 12. He says, please test your servants, just like Jesus says here, please test your servants for 10 days. This is what Jesus is talking about. Please test your servants for 10 days. And he says this, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. And what he goes on to say is this, and then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. What Daniel was saying is this, I believe even in my suffering, God wants to strengthen me. And you give me just water and vegetables and God is gonna strengthen me more than he's gonna strengthen you in your cultural ways. That's what Jesus was referring to. Oh, you're going to suffer persecution for 10 days. And what Jesus was alluding to is this. In the midst of your suffering, Jesus is going to strengthen you. In the midst of what you and I go through, 
It may be hard pressed. And this is what I love in Daniel chapter three. If you know the story about Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, because they won't bow down to their God, they throw him into the fire. And this is what I love what they said in verse 17. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. They said this in verse 17. They said, if you throw us into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us. We can go through suffering, but God's gonna save us through it. And then he goes on to say this, because we believe God we serve is able to save us and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. And then listen what they said. This is what it means to not be afraid. He says this, but even if he does not. Even if he doesn't save my life. Even if we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. We believe the Lord can save us. And guess what else? And even if he doesn't, he's worthy of my allegiance. You know what God is saying in this moment? You know what Jesus is saying in this moment? Here's why he's saying, don't be afraid. This is why. Because your fear is your master. What you fear masters you. This is why the Bible says this, fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. When you begin to align yourself to him to say, God, I'm not gonna fear anything else. I'm not gonna line my life up to anything else. I'm gonna look directly at you. Now, here's the thing. This is a big concept. Sometimes it doesn't get talked about a lot. But here's the thing, the more you and I follow Jesus, the more you and I can expect to go through some moments of suffering because of our faithfulness. I don't have time to walk through it, but I wanna put a couple of verses up here. I wanna encourage you to go read them, write this down. Jesus talks about this with his disciples in Matthew chapter five, verses 11 through 12. He says, blessed are you who are persecuted because of me. There's a blessing that he's gonna give us here. He's like, even when people just deny you, Romans chapter five talks about what God's gonna produce in our suffering. See, this is some real work of God in our life. In 2 Corinthians chapter one, Paul talks about his suffering. He goes, man, I even despaired of life itself, but he said, but God sustained me. You and I go through these things. In 1 Peter chapter four, he talks about him growing in his suffering. He was the one who ran away when everybody asked. A little teenage girl asked him if he followed Jesus. Ah! It runs away from a little teenage girl. And then you read 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, and you see a man who's allowed Jesus to do a good work in the midst of his suffering. James chapter 1, half-brother of Jesus finally comes around and becomes a follower of Jesus. He would eventually die for his faith, just like Peter would. And he talks about the strengthening that God brings into his life in the midst of suffering for Jesus. See, there's a good and holy work that God is doing. This is why Jesus says this to his church and he says it to you and I today. He says, I'm the first, I'm the last. I'm the one who was dead and I'm alive again and I know and since I know, don't be afraid. And then he says this, be faithful. Be faithful. You know what faithful means? It means simply stand at your post. To be a faithful soldier of Jesus and not just stand by yourself, but to stand with Jesus 
See, you have a mission. Jesus was giving this mission to the church. He says this, I want you to be faithful. And then he says this, I want you to be faithful even to the point of death. And then he says this, and I will give you the crown of life. Had an awesome moment in our life group this last week. We were around the dinner table after we ate. We were going through the, the booklet. And one of the, one of the people at our group said this. They were talking about this because at every letter, Jesus gives a promise at the end of the letter. He says, when you're faithful, he says it here. He goes, be faithful to the point of death and I'm gonna give you the crown of life. He says, I'm gonna give you joy. I'm gonna give you victory. They may kill you, but that will not be the end. That's why he goes on to say this. He goes, that, he goes not only that, he says, you won't be hurt at the second death. Meaning this, when Jesus comes and he judges the world, and there's a second death, an eternal death, separated from God. He goes, when you're faithful to me, even if they kill you here, he goes, don't worry, you're gonna be good at the second death. You're not gonna die, you're gonna be with me. And what was so cool is that our life group, it was so neat. One of the guys, he's been a Christian for a long time, but he said, he goes, it just reminded me this, that I need to double down on the kingdom of God. Because in the end, we win. Some of y'all love playing DraftKings and you lost a lot of money. Right, you know what I'm saying? And here's why we play. We're like, hopefully we win and we end up losing a bunch of stuff. Hopefully we get this and then we don't. And what Jesus says in this moment is this. You can count on me. You may lose your life, but you can count on the crown of life. And you can count on this, that at the second death, at the judgment of God, you're gonna be good. You're gonna be good. See, Jesus is saying, I want you to stand with me at your post. You have a mission to stand faithful with God. Some of us, we want to be faithful in our marriages. We want to be faithful as parents. We want to be faithful in our work. We want to be faithful in our community. We want to be faithful. We want to be faithful. We want to be, you know how you're faithful? You just stand with Jesus. In the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the hardship, you stand with him. What's amazing is this. Uh, back in November when we had all of our missionaries come in, one of my buddies, he's a missionary. And what he does is this. He goes into countries that don't allow Christianity. Can't meet like this. Can't worship like this. Can't, can't proclaim like this. But he's following God into these countries. And what's happening is this. He's facing tremendous persecution and suffering. And what he's saying is this, in the midst of the suffering, he is seeing this good and holy work of God. And we asked him, he came and he spoke to our staff and we just asked him, could you share some of your story just for encouragement for us today? And this is what I did. We're going to watch it here in a second. This is what I love about it. I texted in the video today. I said, hey, just want to remind you, we're praying for you, man. The churches, we're going to pray for the persecuted church here in a moment. I said, we're praying for you. And he said, he goes, thanks so much. He said, Sean got me the video already. He goes, I've been sharing it all week in Kuwait. And I'm like, you crazy dog, you man. And I'm like, here, you know, here we are here. And we're going to watch the same video that people in Kuwait are watching today because God is going, there is no boundary to my grace. There is nothing that will stop my church because I'm the first and I'm the last. I'm dead. I'm alive again. Take a listen to God's good and holy work in places that we can't even dream possible. Take a listen to this. Meet Ron. Because of the sensitive nature of his work, we have to keep his identity hidden. Ron is a missionary where being a Christian or sharing the gospel is punishable by death. This is one of Ron's many stories. 
So there was a class, a leadership class that I taught at um, in this country. And after every class, you'd have coaching sessions. And most people would come up asking how they could learn English better, or how they could get out, or how they could get to another country, or how they could get a better job. But young, one young man, and his name was Basir, came and asked me, how can I get closer to God? Ron would continue to meet with this student one-on-one, encourage him to pray in his own language, give him a Bible, and give him many books, including one called A Beautiful Way, that would teach Bashir about the character of God. A couple weeks later, he sent me a text message and said, you know, would you call me? I've been crying for three days. And I was kind of shocked. What the heck is going on? So I called him up and I said, what's up? He said, that book. I was like, what about that book? Because it's really not a cry kind of book. He said, well, it's just a profound book and I love it. You know, you know the book is really this man's story of how he met God when he was 14 years old, skipping stones, and God said, you know, can I skip stones with you, which sounded really odd because this guy had been really trying so hard to please God and just had this revelation that God loved him just as he is, right as he was as a young man, and shared all sorts of God stories in that book, and um, basically the book's about, you know, God's love for us, our love for him, and our love for our neighbor, you know. Just what the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love love your neighbor as yourself. And so Basir said, you know, when I read it, I'm so encouraged, but then when I put it away, I just realized, you know, if I follow Jesus the way you are and the way this guy is, I'm going to get killed, or at the least, my family will be totally ashamed to disown me, and, and no woman will ever, from my tribe, will ever marry me. I'll be an infidel. I have all these dreams of being rich and you know, I have a good job now. I may lose my job, I'll lose my future. I, I won't get any of the things I want. And, and I realized I want God. I want a God who makes my life work, who does what I want, who helps me and makes my life just blossom and, and fulfills all my dreams. Basically he said, I use God. I don't love God with all my heart. I want, I use God. And when it comes to people, he said, I, I, I use them too. I don't love people. I, I just use them. If they're like me and they do things for me, I like them. If they don't, I don't want anything to do with them. He said, I'm just so broken by how completely selfish I am. I never realized that my whole life revolves around me. And he said, I thought you said this was good news. I said, Basir, you're so close. My book says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. I said, you are so close, my friend. I said, the gospel is a two-edged sword. First, it shows you just your true heart. What a sinner you are. And you're seeing that. You're selfish. You're, you're not the good man you think you are. You're not the nice guy you think you are. You're deeply flawed. And I said, but the second part, the great news is there's a savior to cover that and to set you free from that and to teach you how to love God and, and to help you love your neighbor as yourself. And that was kind of the end of the conversation. He said, I need to think on these things. A couple days later, he shows up in my city, comes to my apartment, and he says, hey, I'm in. And I'm like, what does that mean, you're in? He said, I'm in. I'm like, could you expound on it? He said, well, I've counted the cost, and I want to follow. I want to know God the way you do and the way this other guy does. Bashir now joyfully follows Jesus, even in affliction. Like millions of others, despite persecution, he has counted the cost and believes that Jesus is worth it.
Can we thank God for his good and holy work around the world? Every time I'm around my buddy who's that missionary, man, my faith just grows. I'm just inspired. And it's not out of guilt, like, oh, Nate, you should do more. It's about this desire to go, God. And too many, too many times I just live full of fear. God, you want to do so much more than I know. And God, you have got this. You are the first. You're the last. You're over all of this. And here's what I want to invite you to do today. Would you just stand with me? I'm going to invite you to do this online as well. We're going to do two things, just real briefly. We're just going to pray. We're going to pray two things. First, we're going to pray for the persecuted church. We're going to pray for those Christians today. Sometimes we read the Bible and go, oh, yeah, 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 Smyrna, that's back then. Because let's be honest, a lot of us in this place, we're, we're not going to die for our faith. You know what our biggest decision is going to be today? Where are we going to eat after this? Right, you know what I'm saying? Some of y'all are like, what are you thinking, cheddars? No, right, right, you know, yeah. So that's, that's our biggest thing. Some of us, we're not gonna die for our faith. But we are gonna face things for being faithful followers. And I just wanna invite us to pray for the persecuted church. And the second thing is this, I want you to have a moment just to ask God to strengthen you in whatever suffering that you're facing today for being faithful. Because he loves you. Do you realize that Jesus gave no critique to the church in Smyrna? He just gave comfort. He just gave comfort. It's who you have. You have a God of comfort. And so right now, if you would, let's just bow our heads and let's just pray right now for the persecuted church. And maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe that's just your prayer. God, I pray for the persecuted church right now. But right now, let's just pray to God. Let's, let's offer up these saints to the Lord to say, God, would you do a good work even in the midst of their suffering right now? Father, we thank you for our faithful brothers and sisters who really literally are putting their life on the line. Your Father, I've lost families, friends, jobs, wealth, but they are rich because of you. They are full because of you. They have a new family, your kingdom, your church family. And so, Father, we lift them up. We lift up our missionaries. Father, I'm even thinking about Terry and Amy Ruff in Africa. Father, they're on our staff and we love them. And, Father, we just pray that you would continue to strengthen them. And right now, I just want to invite you to lift up whatever suffering you're going through for being a faithful follower. Ask the Lord to strengthen you and to comfort you right now. Jesus, we just thank you that you are the God of all comfort and that you comfort us in all of our troubles and you strengthen us. And Jesus, we thank you for your hope. We thank you for your truth that you are with us right now in the tension. And Father, we know what our future is because of you. And so Father, would you help us? Would you help us to focus on you? That Father, when suffering does come into our life for being faithful, that we know you are gonna do a good work through it. For you are the first and the last. You were dead and you are alive again. 
thank you for that hope and comfort today. And we pray all of this in your name, Jesus. And everybody said together, amen. May you be faithful to the first and the last today. God bless you all. We'll see you next weekend.